thank you so much. Landon, thank you, brother, for taking care of me. I'm, I'm glad to see you again. And Ken, glad to see you. And I, I'm deeply honored at the invitation of your pastor to preach for you this morning. Uh, I was in seminary a long time ago. I do remember a couple of things, and one was a preaching professor saying, whenever you preach, don't begin your sermon with an apology. Well, he didn't know my situation, so I'm going to apologize for my voice. Uh, I had a procedure for my vocal cords two weeks ago tomorrow. I sort of thought I would be in better shape this morning than I am but that accounts for the roughness of my voice. And, but I'm just grateful that healing's coming. I'm very, very grateful. So I hope you can bear with me and uh, we'll do our best to, uh, to get, get through what God has laid before us. I want you to know I love your pastor. Justin is an awesome young man and a great pastor and a godly man. I'm sorry he's not able to be here today, but I understand he watching my live stream so uh, Justin I love you and appreciate you and cherish your friendship thank you for inviting me to share with God's people at Miller Heights Baptist today go ahead and open your Bibles please to Isaiah 6 we'll read there in a moment in the last year have you heard anyone say or have you said where is God in all of this We've been through quite the year, year and a half, haven't we? COVID, taking the lives of millions of people, making others very sick, affecting your church, our church, our entire community. The effect it has had on our schools, the effect that it's had on our economy, the tumult we find today in politics, the riots in the streets of our big cities, the exponential increase in crime in our big cities, the border crisis, events like the collapse of the building in Miami this week that breaks our hearts. And so in the midst of all of this, some have said, where is God? I think one thing that affects us as followers of Christ is the open approval of open sin on a level that we have not seen in our lifetime. And so we have questions in our hearts. But I shared with my church shortly before I retired, things aren't falling apart. Things are falling into place. Jesus is coming again. And so we who are followers of Christ say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Uh, I listened carefully to what Landon was saying earlier, and my heart resonated with his words that reminded us that God is sovereign. He is still on his throne and so we focus on him and the greatness of our God. And so with that in mind, 
The greatness of our God is our focus today from Isaiah chapter 6. And I want you to look at the first eight verses. You're familiar with this. We sang part of this passage a few moments ago. And the scripture says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. As we begin this message this morning on the greatness of our God, I want us to think about three facts concerning God that we find in the scripture. And then I want to make one expression of opinion that I hope will be okay. The, the first fact about God from scripture is this. You cannot know God apart from his revelation of himself. He makes himself known. Just the simple reading of this passage alone would let us know that. God is holy and high and lofty. He is set apart and we could never know him unless he chose to reveal himself to us and he has in his graciousness done that. The second fact about God is this. No human language can adequately describe God. Get your arms around this passage of scripture. Try to imagine what it would have been like to see what the prophet saw. And it is utterly amazing. And we think, how can words adequately describe that? Think about the words in the book of Revelation where in one of my favorite passages in chapter 7, it, it talks about the, the sea, the myriads of people before the throne from every tribe and language, tongue, and nation. And we will be part of that someday when we see Jesus face to face. And, and the, the, the scripture tries to put into our language what John was seeing in heaven, and, and it is utterly amazing you leap forward to Revelation chapter 21 where, where John talks about the new heaven and the, the new earth and we are utterly amazed at what we read and, and knowing that 
we will see and experience all of this when we see Jesus. The third thing that I observe from Scripture is the Bible assumes God. It does not waste time trying to prove that he, prove the obvious. The Bible begins in the beginning, God. And for you and I, that settles the matter. Now, there is one opinion that I want to express. I could be wrong, but I could be right. And the opinion is this. There are very few real atheists. Very few real atheists. The Bible disposes of atheists in one verse, one sentence. You know it? Psalm 53, 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So what are some questions that we might in this day ask about God? Is he personal or impersonal? You know he's personal. You were just talking to him a minute ago in prayer. Is he good or is he like man, the, the, the gods of Roman and Greek mythology? We know he's good because he's been so good to us. Is he involved or is he detached? He is very much involved in our lives. Is he caring or is he indifferent? Look at the cross and you know that he cares very much for each one of us. Is he merciful? Or is he wrathful? Uh, we read in scripture of the mercy of God and the wrath of God. But in his dealings with us in regard to our sin, he has been so exceedingly merciful and gracious. Does he love you? See the cross. There's your answer. Can I know him? Absolutely. Through his son Jesus, we can know him personally and intimately, now back to the atheist for a moment. Perhaps the greater problem is not some intellectual atheism, but it is practical atheism. That is, those who say they believe in God, but live as if he does not exist. So this morning, I want us to do our best to get our arms around this passage of scripture as we contemplate, allow the Spirit of God to speak to our hearts about the greatness of our God. And the first thing I want to leave with you is this. God is great. Acknowledge him now and forever. God is great. Acknowledge him now and forever. In verse 1, we get a, we get a picture of God on his throne. In verse 2, we get a picture of everything that's around God. And in verse 3, we hear all those who are near God. And we are amazed at what we read. Every day when I read the scripture, I, I, I want so much to put on my amazement hat. Because the scripture is, is utterly amazing. And this is one of those passages where I want to have, have my amazement hat on because this is Utterly amazing what we are allowed 
to see and to glimpse and to hear. The book of Revelation says that in heaven, we will do two things. Now, granted, we may do more than what it says, but it says clearly we will do two things in heaven. We will worship him and we will serve him. That's it. We will worship him and we will serve him. And what an incredible privilege it will be to do both of those things. If he is truly great, and he is, then what do we do now? We acknowledge him now and forever. We see his greatness. We see the greatness of God in many ways. Let me just throw three out there for you. We see the greatness of God, first of all, in Scripture. We see him as creator, the Lord of the universe, sustainer, redeemer, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. We see the greatness of God in Scripture. We also see the greatness of God in creation. The beauty, the majesty that is around us. And sometimes we erroneously say everything's out of control. No, it isn't. God has created an orderly universe. And he is still on his throne. In, in Romans chapter 1 and uh, verse 20, you'll remember the words uh, of the Apostle Paul. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. We see the majesty of God in creation. I was reading this, this re recently um, in, in the Brazilian rainforest. I've never, never been to the rainforest. I've been to Brazil, but I haven't been to the rainforest. In one two and a half acre portion of the Brazilian rainforest, there are 425 different species of trees. Now, some of you live, maybe you live on about two and a half acres or a little more, a little less. So you know, you kind of grasp about how big that is. 425 different species of trees. That's the greatness of our God. In Peru's Manu National Forest, there's one small section of that forest where there are over 1,300 different species of butterflies. Can you imagine the greatness of our God in doing that? Well, I've been to Bolivia. I may never go to the rainforest of Brazil. But recently, my wife who's with me right over here, Sharon, my wife and I took some of our grandkids to Yellowstone National Park just less than a month ago. And then we went to the Grand Tetons. And I know that most of the time my, my jaw was like, utterly amazing. I told my grandkids, I said, in creation, God must have had an incredible time doing this. He must have been smiling and laughing and what an incredible, beautiful creation God has given us. You've been to the Grand Canyon? Yeah, I've been there three times. First, when I was in the Army. Second, when um, 
my parents and I took my parents out there on the last vacation I had with them before I got married. And then I took my wife and kids there. I want to go back and take my grandkids. It is unbelievable. I, I remember, you'll be interested in, 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 in this story. I, when, I went, when I was in the Army and went out there with three buddies uh, over a long uh, weekend leave, um, one of my buddies was an avowed atheist. His name was Jim. And one evening at sunset, we were sitting on the edge of the canyon with our feet dangling over. I, I don't think they let you do that anymore. In fact, I hope not, because when I take my grandkids, if I see them with their feet dangling over, I'll probably, that'll be it. I'll have a heart attack. I'll be gone. But, but we were sitting there. Nobody's around. Nobody's around. We're looking at the sunset. It is unbelievable. And then, as, as if God did this himself, and I'm sure he did, an eagle flew right over our heads and, and begins to go back and forth, back and forth over the, over the canyon. And, and I feel this penetrating look, and I turn, and Jim's looking right at me. And he says, Davis, you may be right. And I said, right about what? And he said, you may be right. There may really be a God. I said, Jim, yes, there is. And he made all of this, and he cares about you. We see the, the greatness of our God in Scripture. We see the greatness of God in creation. And, and, and think about you. Think about your own body and the marvel of the way God put us together in, in his creative genius. And we see, we see his glory. I, I, did, I did read the other day. I, I, let me see if I can find that. I jotted it down. Yeah, here it is. Every second that your every second your body produces 25 million new cells every second. Do you know that? Can you, do you feel them? No, you know. 25 million. That means in 15 seconds you will have produced more cells than there are people in the United States of America. The marvel of God's creation. We see his greatness. And, and, and thirdly, we see his greatness through the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and, and draws you to Jesus and so acknowledge him now and forever. Second thing I want to get, and I'll, I'll accelerate here a bit. The second thing that I, I want us to see from this scripture about the greatness of our God is this. God is all-powerful. Trust him without reservation. Our God is all-powerful. Trust him without reservation. Look again at verse 4. You get that shaking of the threshold of heaven? Yeah, I bet. You know, Isaiah's seen God, and, and there's a shaking of the, of, of, of the threshold of heaven. And we are reminded that God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. If you go to the, the, the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 32, he says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Absolutely correct. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. 
You can't escape him. Remember the words of David in Psalm 139? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. I can't escape from you. And I don't want to escape from you. I don't want to flee from your presence. I, I want you to hold on to me because I am too weak to hold on to you. Hold on to me. And he does. The greatness of our God. He is omniscient. He knows everything. The greatness of our God. He knows everything. In, again in Psalm 139. You've searched me, O Lord. You know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. God is omniscient. He's eternal. He's unlimited. He's unchangeable. There is with him no shadow of turning. You know, you know one of the things that's wrong with me? You, you can't, you, this row can't answer. You know one of the things that's wrong with me? I'm not always consistent. I'm sure, that's, I'm sure that never, it's never that way with you. But so, I'm not always consistent. But praise God, he is. With him there is no shadow of turning whatsoever. What a great God we have. Now, now let me hasten on to the third thing. So first thing, God is great. Acknowledge him now and forever. God is all-powerful. Trust in him without reservation. Thirdly, God is glorious. Worship him with reverence and joy. God is glorious. Worship him with reverence and joy. One of my favorite hymns is, is the one we sang together a little while ago. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. I, you know, which of our, our songs will we import into heaven? I, I don't have any idea, but I sort of think that might be one that we will sing together ar around the throne. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. John, John Piper wrote this. He said, God is glorious as a phrase. God is glorious means God's holiness has gone public. I like that way of putting it. God is glorious. God's holiness has gone public. And we will worship him in heaven. So we start now with reverence and joy. Reverence. And humility, not flippantly, not casually, with joy, exuberance. When we see what Isaiah saw, and we will, when we see what Isaiah saw, we'll have no problem with reverence. None whatsoever. We will be in awe of Almighty God on his throne. And so I would suggest for us now that we begin to practice now worship of God with reverence and then when we see what Isaiah saw and we will and when we remember that we're seeing all of this because of Jesus death on the cross and his glorious resurrection and the forgiveness of, of our sins and the gift of eternal life when we see all of that and remember why we are there we won't have any problem worshiping with joy and exuberance. And so it will consume us 
Let's begin to practice here what we will do there. So God is great. Acknowledge him now and forever. God is glorious. God is all-powerful. Trust him without reservation. God is glorious. Worship him with reverence and joy. Number four, God is holy. Confess to him constantly. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. In the presence of the holiness of God, Isaiah immediately became aware of his sin. And we would too, if it were not for the fact that when we see him face to face, our sin will have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our sin will have been cast into the depths of the sea. Our sin will be separated from us as far as the east is from the west. And so when we stand before him, we will not have to say, touch my lips with coal. We will be there singing before the throne, worshiping before the throne as forgiven sinners. What an incredible moment it will be. So in the presence of holy God, now in us known as the Holy Spirit, who knows our sin, and convicts us of our sin and so then we confess and repent and the suggestion from the passage is that we do that constantly which means at the moment we know we have sinned we don't carry it around we don't haul it around for the next week we confess it immediately God forgive me God forgive me and he will he will I love Isaiah 57 15, it says, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and holy place. Now get this, get this, this, you know, this is one of those things that you, I read this verse 25 times probably before I ever, this ever grabbed me. I live in a high and a holy place. Yes, he does. But also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Say what? You know what he said? Yeah, I'm, I live there, high and holy, but I'm with you. I live with you, inside of you, in the person of the Holy Spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly, to revive the heart of the contrite. What an amazing God we have. When I got up this morning, I did what most of you did. After a little while, I stood in front of a mirror with a bright light. And I saw myself as I was. And I could have looked and said, eh, no big deal. And just come on to church like I was at that moment. And you would have said, oh, gross. But I said, you know, uh, I need to do something about this. And, and I did the best I could. And, and, and so when the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and we see as if it were in a mirror that which we've said, that which we've done, that which we shouldn't have done, that which we shouldn't have said, we have one reaction and that is confession and repentance before our holy God. God is holy, confess to him constantly. So one more and we're done. God is great, acknowledge him now and forever. God is all powerful, trust him without reservation. 
God is glorious, worship him with reverence and joy. God is holy, confess to him constantly. And lastly, God is filled with grace. Share him globally. God is filled with grace. Share him globally. I've said this to my church several times, particularly in the last few years of my ministry there. The older I get, the more amazing God's grace becomes. It's as if it's one word, amazing grace, no separation, just amazing grace, one word, because it is. It's utterly amazing. And so because of his grace, look, look again um, at verse 8. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Because of his grace, we also, like Isaiah, respond to that. that that's not a verse that we just say, oh, that's, that's Isaiah. Well, it's us too. And why is it us too? Because of the Great Commission. Because in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, you, go into all the world and make disciples. And so God is filled with grace that he's bestowed upon us. And so we take the message to the world. You know, um, Jeremiah says in, in chapter 31, verse 3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Wow. <laughs> Me? You? I'm, I'm, I, that's amazing. The God of the universe would care enough about me to draw me, to love me? That's utterly amazing. I'm under no illusion that I'm something great or somebody great because I am not. When I think of that verse, unfailing love, he speaks to me. It's a little old dude in Belton, Texas. It's utterly amazing. And also in Jeremiah, he says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And so it is through that grace that we're saved. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And because of that grace, Jesus says, go tell the world. And so we do, beginning here and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's the greatness of our God. God is great. Acknowledge him now and forever. God is all powerful. Trust him without reservation. God is glorious. Worship him with reverence and joy. God is holy. Confess to him constantly. And God is filled with grace. Share him globally. And may God bless each of you. May God bless Miller Heights Baptist Church. As in total awareness of the greatness of our God, you obey him in sharing that message here and around the world. God bless you all.